Hello and welcome to the Equine Physio and Rehabilitation Podcast. My name is Dr Gillian Tabor and I specialise in the treatment and rehabilitation of horses. So this is another podcast about kissing spines. There's so much to cover on this topic, but I'm going to focus a little bit on moving from the cause of kissing spine to thinking about whether we can prevent kissing spine. My last podcast was about causes, so if you haven't heard that, then please go back and listen to it. But in summary, causes are not completely understood for kissing spine because there are a variety of factors that have been identified in horses that do have kissing spines. And we haven't got the research that has done long-term studies into groups of horses that start out apparently fine and develop kissing spine, or even looking at young horses as they mature to see whether it is something that is relatively normal in a certain group of horses or certain type of horses, or even the way that they are managed from young horses. So at the moment, the literature is a little bit um, un concluded, although there is a lot of anecdote and is a lot of discussion around the place as to definite causes, we can't really be sure at the moment. So that does lead to a little bit of difficulty when it comes to thinking about preventing kissing spine if we don't know the cause of it. So again, as an evidence-based practitioner, I always refer to the literature. So I wanted to see what's available in the research and there isn't anything really. There's a couple of papers which are clinical education pieces that talk about it in terms of trying to prevent and I will raise some of those suggestions in a moment but there isn't anything conclusive that says you can prevent kissing spines if you do x y z. So we're a little bit stuck as far as the research goes. But thinking about the points that have been discussed as potential causes, one of them is confirmation. And we know that there is a lot of the traits from confirmation that are inherited. So perhaps we need to consider whether or not we should breed from horses with kissing spines. I see that there are two groups of horses with kissing spines, really, that are, one, they are basically born with it, they're destined to have it because of their confirmation and then there are those that have it uh, because of their training methods or even as sort of age-related changes. So though it's very easy to say don't breed from a horse with kissing spines, what about if you have got a Grand Prix horse that has developed kissing spines at the age of 15, for instance, yet it has performed to a very high level for a number of years. I think that's slightly different to a horse that's been diagnosed with kissing spines just at the point of backing them. So maybe as a three or a four year old, or maybe it started out um, fine and then developed it within a year or two of training. Confirmation in terms of length of back, uh, whether it's short and there's supposed crowding of the dorsal spinous processes or whether it's long and the back is weak is another factor to consider. But again, there's no conclusive research to suggest either is more likely to predispose your horse to kissing spines. There's a one paper that suggested that horses with back pain are more changes to uh, the, the actual spine, so the bones in the back. They did have a a longer back, but it wasn't really um, 
it wasn't a study that I can sort of hang my hat on yet, but I think more needs to be done in that area. But it, there is some suggestion that through racehorse genetics, there's some thoroughbreds that are more predisposed to kissing spines. But again, is that environmental factors due to the age that they're started in work and the type of work that they've done? We don't know. That brings me on to the age of starting work. Is there a possibility that we could prevent it coming on in horses that are either more likely to have it or normal horses if we manage the age that they start work? Now, this isn't a definite they shouldn't start work until they're skeletally mature because we do know that there is some really positive adaptation to working while a horse is going through sort of maturation in terms of the supposed um, strength of their tendons and obviously the density of their bones uh, so perhaps uh, light work is indicated but intense work isn't and then horses grow at different rates and if we've got a horse that is going through a rapid growth phase and their croup is higher than their withers so their bum high then maybe that isn't a good idea to be training the horse during that phase. Anecdotally, I see horses that are sore as they're going through that kind of uh, development. So perhaps um, thinking about how much we're working them at the age that they are and the stage of development is more important than having a real strict cutoff saying we shouldn't be sitting on them at this age or we should be sitting them by this age. That, again, is something that we need more research with. But certainly if a horse is going through a growth phase or they are relatively weak because skeletally they've grown a lot but their muscle strength hasn't caught up, then that is likely to predispose them to finding work difficult. And if they do that, then maybe that's going to affect their posture. And if they have an affected posture or they have pain, musculoskeletal pain, then would that be more likely to trigger kissing spines as a result? If we think about primary back pain as a cause of kissing spines, then we must address our saddle fit. If you've got a saddle that is causing pain, either it's too wide and it's unstable or it's too narrow and it's pinching, or perhaps it is too long and it's sitting a long way back, then the horse is going to have to change the way the muscles work underneath that saddle. So if they go into a protective guarded position, so they go into muscle spasm, then that is going to create extension of the spine and that hollowing, that increase in lordosis of the spine is likely to bring those spinous processes closer together. So I think one of the very simple ways that we can prevent back pain and kissing spine is to look at the saddle. A second consideration is the foot balance. We have seen uh, some links between pain in the hindquarters and pain in the neck when we have got um, foot pain. So maybe that is something that we ought to be very strict on addressing. Another consideration, unfortunately, is us as we sit on the horse. If we are unbalanced and we're creating an unstable load for the horse, are they then going to have to use their t uh, muscles in a slightly different way that might predispose them to going into an extended position? 
And certainly posture is one of the key components to my assessment of horses, both statically and dynamically, because we know that a horse that has a high head carriage has more likely to uh, have reduced space in between the spinous processes in the back. And therefore, that's going to increase the risk of those processes impinging on each other and kissing spines. So the proper way of working a horse so that we can have the back in a neutral or a slightly flexed position is going to be optimum. And we really need to build the horse's muscle strength uh, in that area before we start to really overwork the muscles in that area. Um, so in terms of pushing them into maybe more advanced ways of going or maybe advanced levels of competition. So you know, are we going to be asking them to jump at, uh, to, you know, higher fences or more complex courses before they have the strength to be able to cope with that? And as well as muscle strength, we need muscle endurance. And if we have uh, a lack of either of those, then we have a horse that has risk of muscle fatigue. And if the muscles get tired, then that causes muscle pain. And then again, you're going to get compensatory postures. Compensatory postures are known to occur when we have lameness as well. So we really need to get very good at recognising lameness, even sort of slight changes in how horses move and also signs that the horses are uncomfortable because if they are, they're going to be compensating through their bodies, trying to adapt and a lot of them try to carry on despite having asymmetries in the way that they move. This then can create that compensatory posture and then we get secondary back pain. We know from the research that a lot of horses that are lame have back pain and a lot of horses that have back pain are also lame. We also know that there is a lack of recognition of low-grade lamenesses in horses. So if you've got any doubt in how a horse is moving, then you do need to get a professional to have a look at them. One things that I see that uh, is interesting, and I don't have any research to support this, but often when a horse changes homes, there's a lot of change, not just to their environment and the way that they are managed in terms of you know, feed or the amount of time in and out of the stable, but the way that they are trained and the intensity and the frequency does tend to alter in new homes. And it can be the case that a horse that has passed a vetting and seems absolutely fine at the beginning of being owned then deteriorates and then you get issues that lead to investigation and unfortunately then a diagnosis of kissing spines. But when we look at the x-rays and the pain coming from the back there's a bit of a mismatch. We know that a lot of horses have changes in their back without pain but if there is a reason as to why they become painful, then that is something that uh, we need to look into. Sometimes if the horse has been managed very well, you can have kissing spines, but you can have no pain. They then change homes and that management changes and then it becomes apparent that they've had kissing spines for many, many years. And the previous owner likely didn't know anything about it. Those bony changes don't happen overnight. They take many months or even many years for that adaptation to occur. So it's interesting to me that change of management and training style can be a key component in the development of pain. So therefore, if we want to prevent kissing spines or prevent onset of problems, 
Knowing what a horse has done longer term, perhaps if you take on a new horse, finding out how it was worked, how often it was worked, whether they used certain training aids or whether they spent uh, durations out of the saddle or on the saddle um, in terms of you know in-hand work versus ridden work or, or maybe they didn't work it as much as you want to when you get it. It was only ridden twice a week and then you put it into work five or six times a week and then uh, these problems do occur. So I think in summary, my main thoughts as to how we can prevent it is is if we've got any doubt, then maybe let's not breed it into our youngsters. Uh, but we need to think about proper training, equitation and building horses muscles so that they are fit and strong enough to do the work that we're asking for them. We need to think about identifying any reasons why the horse might have compensatory patterns of movement that would trigger back pain. So is there a foot balance issue or is there a lameness issue that is currently uh, you know, undiagnosed, but there is more than just a, a subtle asymmetry, but there is lameness in the horse. We need to consider saddle fit as regularly as we can in terms of how frequent the horse changes shape. So if they are growing, you might need to see a saddle fitter every three months. If they are in a regular static um, change of work, uh, sorry, static and not changing work, then maybe you could get away with seeing the saddle fitter annually, but I would certainly recommend six monthly because that's when I see the most change between the seasons in horses. And then the other thing that we can do for ourselves in terms of training is thinking about our fitness and our position in the saddle to make sure that we're not creating any movement challenges for the horse that might actually bring about uh, pack pain and then subsequent development of kissing spines. So those are just my thoughts about how we can prevent kissing spines. I honestly don't think that it is 100% possible to prevent them. If I had the answer, then there wouldn't be any horses with kissing spines because I would be shouting it from the rooftops. Unfortunately, due to the complexity and the variety of the causes of it, there is no single easy way that can guarantee prevention of kissing spines. So if you've got a horse with it, uh, it is um, unfair that you should always uh, shoulder that blame um, I think that there are many ways that it comes along and how we <laughs> it's difficult to say because I, I don't want to say that everybody is blameless but I think a lot of genuine people blame themselves for it and I don't think that is uh, completely fair on themselves either so if you are interested to find out more about Kissing Spines, I'm posting quite a lot about it. You can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Gillian Tabor Physio. So please come and find me and follow me. You can send me personalised messages as well and um, I'll get back to you. I've also got online courses if you go to my website gilliantabor.co.uk and I can provide individualised online rehabilitation for you and your horse from anywhere in the world but if you're local to me then I can also come out to visit you. So thank you very much for listening and look out for uh, my next in the series of podcasts on Kissing Spines.